You're listening to the Board Game Nexus podcast. Oh, oh it's like, like a cosmic rebirth. <laughs> Welcome to the Board Game Nexus podcast, a podcast about all things board game related, where we talk about both Euro and Amerithrush games. Episode 2. So um, I'm Ryan. I'm joined, as always, by my uh, beautiful girlfriend Rachel. Hello. Uh, so today I thought we'd uh, talk about our experience with the brand new game uh, Escape from a hundred million years BC, uh, which is a cooperative game. Um, it's sort of like a story-driven and merry thrashy type of game uh, by uh, famed designer Kevin Wilson. Um, it was released by IDW. Uh, for those that don't know, Kevin Wilson has done a lot of great games. Uh, Arkham Horror, uh, Descent, uh, Android, uh, Sid Meier's Civilization, the board game, and, and many others. Um, so, uh, yeah, we uh, had uh, our first game of Escape. Uh, so, okay, we need to think of a we game. Do, we do, we a, need a to name. think of a name to shorten it because it's silly. <laughs> yeah. Every time Escape from 100,000, 100 billion years BC. Yeah. I think we should just call it Escape from BC. Escape from BC. Okay, let's do it. So, okay, Escape from 100 million years BC. Uh, Escape from BC. That, that's like easier it. because yeah. it's just too long to keep saying that every time. What about what I mean, about even like, the length of the name is to, enough to put a couple of people off? To be fair. Oh, do you remember that uh, that series, Phone Jacker? Oh, the Dom Jolly thing. Yeah. No, it's, it wasn't Dom Jolly. Was it, it was not? The, no, it was um, Trigger Happy TV. It was the Dom Jolly uh, yeah, one? Yeah, that was him. But Phone Jacker was like a kind of uh, successor, if you like to. But they they had like someone calling up like a fake phone call and they'd say uh, they'd call director inquiries and they'd say oh um have you got the uh have you got the number for uh husbks or something like that you know or um <laughs> what was acronyms. another one um could you give me the uh, number for a bar uh, what was that a bar <laughs> <laughs> it's like British Airways, things like yeah, that. Yeah. So, like when, when when people go, well, where's Hoover? Yeah, and they yeah. mean HMV. Yeah, and then, exactly. then how many people actually realise it means his master's voice now? Yeah, <laughs> yeah so uh, we could kind of <laughs> abbreviate it that way, I guess. But yeah, let's go with Escape. Uh, escape BC. Escape from yeah. BC, yeah. Let's that do may, it. Yeah, because you're escaping from a time that is BC. Yeah. Okay, so um, what did you think of it? So we both uh, played it uh, the other night, didn't we? It's, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, at it's, the board game night. Okay, yeah. so it's, it's brand new out, and it's uh, the top of the hotness on BGG, the you know the website Board Game Geek, um, and it's. It hasn't got a whole load of reviews yet, though, was it? Yeah, I was just about to say that um, there's there's a trend with board games where there's like this hype machine building around it, and lots of hyperbole with reviewers saying this that and the other about it and it's not available and then like six months later it becomes available that happens so much you know reviews going about games and they get advanced copies far in advance of the game actually being released but so i think it was a breath of fresh air that this game just burst onto the scene it was available and no one had written any reviews about it no one knew anything about it and for that reason and because of the pedigree of the designer a lot of people on the on the website uh, on Board Game Geek were like, you know, intrigued about it. This mysterious game that came from nowhere, as if from, you know, the future. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Maybe he went time traveling to, to, to make it appear. Yeah. <laughs> but no, sometimes with, with the reviews, when people have got the advanced copies so far in advance, and they've released their review of it. And it's so long until it comes out, you're liable to forget about it. Even if you thought the review was really good, if you watch it at that point, uh, when the game actually comes out, you, you might have forgotten about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I kind of get that a lot. You see, you see a game, um, you know, like reviewed, and then you look for it and you just can't find it anywhere. And then it just, months go past, it's still not released. And then you just forget about it, don't you? And then it comes out and 
uh, your kind of enthusiasm has waned somewhat. So, yeah, you found something better in the meantime. Yeah. So anyway, um, this game I took a really, really big leap of faith in you know giving it a try. So um, I was kind of pleased with the components. There was a lot of there was a lot of things on Board Game Geek where people were like talking about uh, the artwork of the cover being yeah. really good because it was by an artist. Who did the artwork for the Magic: The Gathering? It, it is good quality. Oh, the yeah, the front cover is cover. one of my favourite covers. It's just such an inspired cover, and it really captures the tone of that those kind of B films, like uh, and and really what Indiana Jones because it's like the yeah, letter the in his life. Yeah, very Indiana Jones esque. Exactly. Yeah. So Indiana Jones was like that, even though it was a Hollywood production. It was based on these kind of B budget matinee films, and it really feels like that. The theme. So, like, what was the theme of the game? We've got um, time travellers uh, arriving in 100 million years BC and crashing into a volcano, and you've got these bits of the time machine just scattering around. Yeah. And you miss, I think, lots of equipment fallout as well. Um, what you have to do in the game, you... Um, you're, are you, we're kind of different um, specialists of different fields. Yeah, so you've, you've got, got the botanist. different playable characters, definitely, and they they each have different abilities. Mm. Yeah. And I played as the report. Was it the report? No, it wasn't the reporter. I think it was like some kind of rogue, uh, rogue scientist. I played or something. Yeah, didn't she? Wasn't she in a lab coat with yeah. like a little clipboard? Type yeah, thing? that's right. Which one did you play? I played the botanist. What, what, what a funny coincidence. <laughs> uh, yeah, being an ecologist. <laughs> Your history in... Uh... <laughs> I thought, yes, I'm having the botanist. Yeah, yeah. So the, the good thing about um, this, this particular co-op game, and I think it, it's needed in all good co-op games, is um, variable player powers. So everyone had their own little niche, their own little kind of special power that enabled them to aid the game um, in their own individual way, so I think it's my good, special yeah. power was um, there was a there were points in the game. Uh, these tokens that you collect called willpower tokens. They enable you to mitigate certain things in the game. Um, the little brain. Tokens. Little brains, yeah. So you have different stats on your player. Um, so going back to the story of the game, the theme, just to set it set it up for our uh, mini review. Um, you're uh, a bunch of specialists who, uh, well, time travellers, um, who go to 100 million years BC and you crash into a volcano, scatters all the pieces of the time machine. And so the um, what you need to do is you need to go around the land and unco- uh, uh, recover these components. And they're like little cogs. Um, and you need to send them back to the time machine, fix the time machine. And then the aim of the game is to... Uh, jaunt back into your own time and, and you know um, but there's a lot of interesting things happening in the theme on there so you've got um, different pieces of equipment that are also uh, scattered um, and yes. so the equipment if you don't pick the equipment up um, because it's equipment brought from you from present day if you don't pick the equipment up and you just jaunt to back to your own time you back to the future um, you <laughs> Um, it, it creates time paradoxes and that's measured by um, uh, a chart, isn't it? What, um, sort of a, a track, that's the tracker. word I was looking for. Yeah, yeah. The so there's this track, the There's a. it's like a time paradox track. So this track is altered as you go through the game. So let's just talk a little bit about the gameplay. Okay, so what happens is you start off in the middle of this volcano. A volcano, yeah. And uh, you will each go into these different parts of terrain in this land. And uh, so you go into, the, it's got a massive board. And what you do is you move into a hex and you'll flip open a part of the terrain. And that terrain hex will have some, um, uh, you know, kind of um, unrevealed uh, components to it and revealed it's a bit like icons. Robinson Crusoe, isn't it, where you flip the, the hexes over and they've got uh, the various resources that hex has got on it. Yeah, it did And have a similar that feel sort of um, size as well. So when you're exploring, the explore sort of thing feels similar to Robinson Crusoe, except you know sort of what kind of terrain it's going to be. Mm. Yeah, it did have that feel to it, didn't it? And um, so on the hexes, you've got these uh, different icons. So you've got like a flower icon that. You, when you pick the flowers, your 
willpower goes up. <laughs> you know, you get, you, it fortifies you. There's a thing on my character that uh, says uh, he's fascinated about the fact that flowers that were not thought to exist at this time and there's flowers. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Cool. And there's there were cool little like flavour texts and um, little things happening with the theme, which I want to get to in a minute. I was really interested in this game. Um, so you flip over these hexes and they may reveal like um, different icons. So these icons can be uh, carnivorous um, dinosaurs, herbivores, or they can be sea monsters. And they can also reveal uh, gears and pieces of equipment, which are like little crates that you have to pick up. Um, and um, what I loved about the game was that each card that you pick up for the gear... Um, is unique so each piece of equipment is unique and it's got a very very big deck well I, I don't think they are quite all unique mostly unique oh, right, there seem to be a couple of machine guns a couple of the weapons oh, are duplicated yeah. yeah but nearly everything is yeah different. there's a few that are duplicated like uh, there's a few they're like the machine gun one yeah, but um yeah. for the i mean uh, the artwork is a lot a lot of it's uh, original and there's lots of like kind of you know, single pieces of artwork and, and lots of different um, uh, pieces of equipment to pick up. And these pieces of equipment are really interesting, aren't they? Kind of from mm. the f different uh, parts of the future. So you might get futuristic sentry bots that you can disperse, or you will get things like uh, a machine gun from World I got War Two. Body armor. That Did was you? Pretty oh cool. yeah. There's, yeah. The, there's really nice little touches like that. Um, and but one of the other things that happen is um, during the game. So you'll be going out exploring these hexes, and there there's different terrains. So you've got the mountain terrain, you've got the swamps that you go through, you've got the, the um, what were the the plains, the, the forests, and then the you've water. got the water uh, as well. Um, and so after all the players have had the move, um, then uh, it kind of you, you need to you know roll, roll some dice and determine. Uh, if there's going to be uh, some kind of rift in time that happens. And that's mm. determined by how far you are down the track. So if, if you're further along the track, by the way, if the track ever gets to the end, then... That's a lose condition for sure. It's a lose yeah. condition. And thematically, it's like space and time have ripped apart and you've completely destroyed the universe. You've ruined everything forever. Yeah. <laughs> so if you roll uh, below the... Um, whatever the result is on the track then it causes a time rift so you have these time castaways that come through and all these cool different characters yeah yeah these time castaways are one of the really interesting thematic touches to the game so basically what what you may encounter is uh, they'll come through um randomly spawn randomly on the on the deck so like you have these tokens that you flip over there's and about five or six different points where they yeah. can come through, isn't there? Yeah, there's six different points, and these are the, the time rifts, like the portals that they may fall through uh, as a result of the time paradox hap uh, you know, anomalies. So you'll have these different, and I don't want to spoil too much about it, but you'll have like such historical uh, you know, people as Abraham Lincoln or people like that coming through these time rifts. And it could be a famous person, or it could be you know, Joe Bloggs working in the stable or something like that, you know. Um, and your job is to try and um, pick them up before they get killed because if they get killed by any roaming dinosaurs, that further produces time paradoxes, you know. And that, yeah. Is it two that it adds? Yeah, two to the track, killed, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's another thing. So you, uh, if you pick, what you need to do is you need to pick them up and the way to, to reduce time paradoxes, uh, you need to send them to the portal and it's send them back It's got to be the in. same one they came through, though. You can't just return them to anyone. It's got to be the same one that they came through. Mm. Yeah, and uh, and if you don't pick them up, they'll randomly move, and then they may... Now, um, they'll get killed if their brawn isn't as high as the dinosaur's brawn, so then they get eaten yeah. by the dinosaurs. Um, now, the... Um, You've got to try and convince them to come with you. That's that's the difficult part because it's all based on your willpower. So if you're a character that's got like a high brawn but not a very good willpower, then going after and rescuing the the, the people that come through the rifts isn't really going to be 
the high thing for you is probably going to be going to get the machine parts to to fix the machine because then you can at least fend off some of the dinosaurs mm, mm. yeah um I, th- I thought it was interesting how um like every single character had their own little thing that they can do i mean it's not it's not like clear cut it's not very clear cut you can do different things like if you have a character that has high willpower for instance yeah you mine, go, mine had very high yeah. willpower so he, he was quite good for for that kind of mm. thing um but you i mean it's quite flexible you can do yeah, different I, things I still you can managed build... to fight, fight some dinosaurs off even though my brawn was two because i'd got equipment cards that up my brawn like that suit the armor suit i was talking about earlier that upped my sort of brawn level so that I could fight off some dinosaurs, because you're inevitably going to encounter some exploring while you're trying to return the people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'd like. What did you think about the uh, the combat elements of the game? Then, so uh, you may encounter a dinosaur. It may be passive, or it may be aggressive. I think once we worked out what was going on, mm. because of issues we'll talk about later. Um, once we worked out what the actual mechanism was. The, the the thing for the passive creatures was very clever because hmm. most of the time depending on what you roll on the dice but most of the time it's more likely that they're just going to ignore you and not see you as a threat yeah. which makes sense because they're never going to have seen a human before and the size that you are compared to a, a huge uh, what, what big herbivorous dinosaurs that are on there hmm. they're not going to be bothered with you you're nothing to them so it makes sense that they would just wander off yeah, and I like the fact that they actually got got the Velociraptor right. Yeah. So it wasn't this really <laughs> formidable force, no. was it? It was this little chicken thing that ran up to you, scratched you, and then ran Runs off in away. the bushes. Yeah, yeah, you can't do anything about the Velociraptor. It just that comes in, jabs you, and goes away. And then, usefully, they actually have got Utah Raptor yeah, in the pack. that's good. And Allosaurus is, like, badass. If you get the Allosaurus... Um, Let's not spoiler it too much. No, yeah, but it's it's a mechanism in the game. Uh, so normally, oh, yeah. dinosaurs cannot uh, cannot go into your space with the time machine. Mm-hmm. But the Allosaurus um, is so badass; he can just go to the time machine and kill the professor. But he actually heads that way, <laughs> which is like it's funny because yeah. the Allosaurus just wants to destroy the world, basically. Yeah. Well, that's his destiny. <laughs> It's destined to. Uh, I know what I'm going to do. I must get to this strange metal object and chomp it. Yeah. So if ever you see any strange anomalies, maybe it's caused by an Allosaurus in a hundred million years BC, <laughs> killing the professor and uh, preventing us to from going back into the future. But uh, so, okay, we've talked a little bit about the mechanisms, um, and there are. It's not completely strategic. There's certain luck-based elements to it. The, yeah, there's the combat in there. Yeah, the combat's primarily luck-based, although there is a lot of mitigation with gear that you receive, yeah. and you can always re-roll with willpower and add another die to it. Um, so that's an interesting, you know, kind of... Uh, yeah. Now, the I think one of the most interesting aspects of uh, combat in this game, I thought, was uh, that you, you've got two choices. You can kill the dinosaur when you confront it, causing a time paradox because you, you're killing creatures unnaturally or you can flee from the dinosaur and there are certain things that you can do to stun them as well there's certain things yeah. that have the ability to stun the dinosaurs which doesn't affect the paradox but it means that um they're still out there they're, mm. they're still in the desk deck mm. Yeah, so if you f- if you do that it, it flees into the deck and it may come back when the deck's shuffled uh, but if you flee from the dinosaur, the um, to- uh, the standees put onto the board, now that's dangerous because even though it's good that you flee from the dinosaur and you haven't harmed it and you haven't caused further time paradoxes to occur... You can't really control what direction you move in after fleeing either because you've got to roll a dice to see what direction yeah. you go in. So it's, 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 it's thematic mm. in that, oh my God... This meat-eating dinosaurs after me. I don't have a good enough weapon to do anything about it, or I mm. don't want to cause a, a a whole paradox to get yeah. worse. Well, there's no, there's no things. There's no so time to consult your compass or exactly, to you just test the wind or things and, like and that. It's just oh shit. You, let's go you roll the dice <laughs> to see where you actually go. Yeah, let's just dive out of the way. 
And when the hexes come out as well, quite a lot of them have got barriers on, various sides of them, which can yeah. really restrict your movement and which way you go, unless you're one of the juggernaut things. Yeah, juggernaut dinosaurs just bash through the, uh, the, the barriers. Again, everything thematically makes sense. Mm. It's not like just a bunch of mechanisms thrown together and that's it. Um, and I, this is the thing, it's very hard... I just get a feeling, even though we've only played it once, uh, we, we, we're used to co-ops, aren't we? Yeah, co-ops and we used to should be, they should have a, a fair weight, fair difficulty to them, otherwise there's no real challenge when you're just beating the board. Yeah, um, I, um, I've got this thing about co-ops. If I have a co-op and I win it on the first go, <laughs> then generally... It's on my trade list the next day. You're yeah. disappointed. You I, can't believe you beat it the first time. No, I, I'm miffed, really. I, I want to work at getting good at the game. I want to work at cooperating, you know, kind of building a team and, and beating the game through sheer hard determination, you know, not just by a lucky first game. I don't but think that's the reason true. we've still got ghost stories. Yeah, and Robinson <laughs> Crusoe. <laughs> so, um,. What did you think about the direction of the game? You know, I mean, it's to me, I uh, going into this game and not knowing anything about it, it was a breath of fresh air because I don't know. It's 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 a it's a throwback game. It reminded me of games like I don't know uh, a little bit of Eldritch Horror um, or Arkham Horror. Which is, you know, Kevin Wilson design with the flavour text and things like that. But, but it, that was just more with the cards. Mm, the, the actual mm. board and ga- gameplay itself wasn't really like that particularly. No. And and it wasn't like Descent either, so it was quite a departure for mm. him. Yeah, but it, it just seemed like, I mean... The, the flavour text, yeah. The, the whole exploring and moving across the board with your piece, it was very tactile, the game, and mm. I really got a sense of exploration and of discovering things, like with the time uh, castaways coming through the time rifts and the gear that you pick up. Um, and overall, I was really, really impressed with the game. It's, um, it's not, as I said before, it's not... Um, it's not all strategic. There is some look elements Definitely to it, there. but there's also some strategy you don't know to what it. Equipment you're going to pick up. Mm. You could pick up something that's useless to your character, or like uh, Matty, you could be searching in the sea forever for machine for, yeah. for machine parts. Where everybody, it, it, the instruction book says, "Oh, there's quite a lot in the sea, and there's quite a lot over here," and you reveal six blank sea tiles with nothing on them. Yeah, but there's. I, I think there's. It can happen. It's look. That's the look element of it. True. Um, and, you know, like, when you explore, you never know what you're going to find anyway in real life. So it's kind of, it, it mirrors real life in that aspect. But um, I, I, I did like the amount of options available to you, um, you know, and there's a lot of player decisions to make. So um, this leads us on to uh, a topic I wanted to bring up about co-op games. Uh, so... One of the problems with co-op games that uh, is the... Um, subject of uh, you know a lot of debate is this uh, is alpha player syndrome mm. so uh, a lot of co-ops are full prey full victim to this so like yeah. you know pandemic and things like that where you can get one player that just uh, who's probably more vocal or more experienced than the other players just take over and uh, pretty much play a solitaire game whilst other players just sit around the board and watch now that can be a problem with co-ops it's fine if you're just giving people well you could do this but you don't have to do that you could do this or did you want to do that or and giving people options as it were Mm. but when it gets to the point that someone's literally moving your piece for you Mm. and we've had no fun anymore and that 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 has happened occasionally yeah yeah Yeah. so i mean uh, when it gets to that i think you really need to speak out and say well this is not a solitaire game it's a multiplayer game let other people you know have their own turn um so um, where I think I'm always I'm always um I mean I can be guilty of trying to help people too much sometimes particularly in a co-op because you think oh we're all in it together we're a team if I advise them all perhaps this is a good idea then uh, you know that could be good for the team as a whole but I don't think I've ever gone as far as uh, taking someone's turn for them or moving their piece or saying well you've got to do this you can't do what you actually want to do 
uh, it's never got that bad with me. So I think most people can be guilty of helping a little too much mm. with co-ops. And as long as you try and catch yourself and think, well, actually, I should let them enjoy the game too. Yeah. That's not so bad. It's, it's, it's when it gets to the point that people are, are taking the people's turns for them. Mm, that, that becomes a problem. Um, and I think it's, it's okay when, uh, during your first game, when someone's teaching and they say, okay, uh, here are the options. So this is the way I try and tackle co-op games. If I'm teaching a game and someone hasn't played before, I'll say, okay, here are your options. You can do this and this will happen and you can do that and that will happen. And then I'll say, it's over to you, it's your decision. At no point will I say, well, do that, just do that, you know, because that's the best thing to do, just do that. I might say, if you do this, this will happen, this mm. could be good because of this, but I'll always say, whatever you want to do, it is your choice, you know. Yeah, you, if you, you give a caveat yeah. and say, okay, this is my suggestion, but at the end of the day, it's your decision, it's your turn, I think you really need to emphasise that in a game of uh, co-op game. Or it can fall apart. It can be completely mind-numbing for everyone else just standing, you know, acting as bystanders um, to the alpha player. Um, so uh, there's ways to that games uh, approach this and have tackled it successfully. Uh, one of my favourite games is Jeff Engelstein's uh, Space Cadets, a very, very fine game. <laughs> and it's just, just this ingenious game where you're flying through space, you've got an objective. It's essentially Star Trek without the IP, you know. Yeah, they um, haven't got any licenses. <laughs> it isn't Star Trek, we promise, it's yeah. not. <laughs> yeah, but um, it's, it's ingenious because it really, uh, Space Cadets really... Um, makes you feel like you're flying in uh you're, you're part of um, a crew, a crew, a crew yeah. yeah and you've got your own duty your own uh office your own uh you know your task yeah. your uh, post that you're assigned to yeah yeah so you get like the the helmsman uh you get the sensors uh you get someone in charge of shields someone in charge of uh, what are the other tractor beam torpedoes. and torpedoes? Yeah, which is a tactile f flicking thing aspect. Don't put isn't me it? on torpedoes. <laughs> but it's just and everything just kind of gels together uh, in such uh, an admirable way, such a kind of awe-inspiring way. Trying to hold it together and try and organise people and yeah, ah, there's an asteroid <laughs> coming. It, yeah. it's very thematic. You feel like you're on a ship. So what happens in that game? To and and it kind of it pretty much head-on tackles the alpha player syndrome aspect. Um, everyone's doing everything at the same time. So you'll flip a timer, and everyone has got their head down doing the task. You know. You're know, you so busy concentrating on your own thing, even if you are prone to alpha playing and, and, and uh, telling people what to do, other than the captain that tells people sort of before the timer... Yeah, and directs people. You can't, you can't do, do anything that. because you you won't get your own task done if you start doing that. Well, you'll that. lose. Yeah, yeah, plain and simple, you'll lose. Um, so I think that's a really good way of tackling it. It is uh, the only downside to that is it can be very stressful for people that timed uh, aspect. But yeah. I mean, it's, I don't love timed games in general. But oh, another one uh, is that we I really enjoy. Uh, you quite like uh, Captain Sonar. Yeah, yeah, that was wicked. Yeah. I like Captain Sonar. I really like the, that game. The real-time aspect of it, again, is is slightly stressful. I think there's certain positions within that that are less stressful than others, and people who are prone to getting worried by the time aspect can yeah. be put on those positions to lessen it a bit. But that is team competitive, so it's a little bit different, but it's yeah, semi but you are, Within like, your team, yeah. it's cooperative. Yeah. So, um, I mean, that's one of the ways to tackle it. And I think it's good that people, designers, are coming up with new ways of tackling this problem because it can be a problem with co-op games. Well, that's what Escape does as well, isn't it? That's mm. all, that tackles it through real time. Yeah, yeah. I think Because you're so busy rolling your dice, trying to get your guy to move around, mm. that uh, you, you can't be helping other people, really. Mm. Uh, so... Um, I wanted to uh, get onto another topic about co-op games and competitive games, and uh, you know, players that prefer one or the other, uh, because you, 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 we come across quite a few players who don't want to play cooperative games. Yeah, I think a lot of it is possibly that it's a fairly new thing. Mm. 
uh, in terms of the age of the hobby as a whole, mm-hmm. uh, cooperative games are something that's coming comparatively recently. And if they can't win on their own, then they don't want to bother playing. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of it for sure. Yeah, I think the um, the thing is with I, I do like cart games. Don't get me wrong, but the thing is with them, um, once you've the, the problem is once you've found out the puzzle, then it becomes a lot easier to beat it. Um, and I mean, one of the things that I don't like is uh, looking up the most optimal way of gaming the puzzle. Oh, and then <laughs> people who on the, before they've even started their first game of a cult game, go on BGG or go on various other places and Reddit. try and find out the best way to win at this game. Doesn't that take the fun out of it a bit? I, I, I can't understand that. Mm, mm. I, I agree. It's, it's uh, like looking online, how to win at chess in three moves. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I don't understand why people don't want to figure it out themselves because to me that's the joy it's of... Uh, part of the fun. Yeah, uh, discovering it for yourself. It's like, it's like uh, remember the point-and-click adventure game? I'm a big fan of point-and-click adventure games, the old LucasArts and LucasFilms ones like M- Secret oh, Monkey, Monkey Island, Island yeah, Full yeah. Throttle and uh, you know Day of the Tentacle, stuff like that. Um, broken Sword. Oh, Broken yeah. Sword. So, um, you know, just... Looking through a play, uh, uh, a walkthrough of that. Yeah, not online. just looking through a walkthrough, completing the whole thing on a walkthrough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who does that? Um, I can understand if you people stuck. looking on a walkthrough or, or comparatively looking on BGG or looking on the game. So, to, to clarify a point where they're not sure whether there's a mistake happening there or or whether there's something uh, really strange that they've missed. Mm, mm. Or something they just don't understand. Yeah, yeah. That that I can understand. I, that might make sense to me. But I can't understand basically doing the whole thing on walkthrough. Mm. Like the, the goat level on Broken Sword. <laughs> I think that's a, that's a bit of an in-joke. People uh, into Broken Sword understand where I'm coming from there. Um, okay, so... Um, yeah, I mean, what I was gonna what I was gonna say is that um, the tribute of cart games, it's got an artificial AI, you know, and a puzzle that once you've kind of solved it, uh, in inverted commas, um, you it, you've got a better chance of winning, you know, and it's not as challenging. Whereas with competitive games, good competitive games, where the me- mechanisms allow you to do so, uh, you've always got um, a constantly changing mind of the adversary it's it's the element of not quite knowing what your opponent's thinking oh exactly well the thing is your opponent can adapt to your strategies because they're a human rather than just as you can adapt to theirs ai as it were yeah so um for me i think my favorite games are competitive games as much as like co-op i think if you have a game that allows you to um go head to head with someone and uh, allows you to think in a certain way and d- develop certain strategies and to master it and to, uh, you know, kind of try different options yeah, and different yeah. strategies. Um, there's nothing better than that, than like kind of um, facing an adversary and winning through just wit- your own wits and your own... See, see I, I would argue that as much as I, I, I like um, competitive games, the c- competitive games that I tend to favour... Are those with not always a, a, not a heavy amount of direct conflict, so still competitive, but not a heavy amount of direct conflict. There's or, or no direct conflict, um, and with multiple different ways of winning, so that there isn't just one way you can win the game. If I'm going to like a competitive game, there's got to be multiple ways of winning. Like Caverna's got so many different ways of winning. Scythe's got so many different ways of winning. So I, I favour the, the, if I'm going to play competitive games, I favour the heavier things and things that are um, with multiple ways of winning and mm. not a whole load of direct con- conflict or direct conflict not being the main point of the game. Whereas co-op games, I really love co-op games and I agree what you're saying about the, the puzzle and once you've cracked it, which is fine, unless you've got all the good co-op games that I feel the puzzle changes. 
Yeah. The puzzle yeah. changes to such an extent that each thing is different. Well, each time you play, it's different. An interesting way and that... Ghost Stories is like that. That's why we keep coming back and keep getting thrashed mm. by it. Robinson Crusoe is like that. The best co-op games change so uh, much each time. Speaking about Robinson Crusoe, um, uh, how Robinson Crusoe tackles that, I think, in the box, in the core box, they could have just done the first scenario of Robinson Crusoe, the castaway the scenario, and that was a whole game. They could have done that, but so they didn't. What Ignacy Trevacek did... Uh, and again, Robinson Crusoe is in my top ten. Brilliant game, brilliant co-op game. Um, they did six different scenarios, so that's six different puzzles, as it were, uh, using that main uh, system uh, that you can just play. And, and that's so there, really. But each time, you don't know which terrain is going to come up. You don't know what the weather conditions are going to mm. be like. You don't know when you go hunting what you're going to come across. Mm. And that changes every game. And then you've got the characters that you play with each do different things. Mm. The items that you can pick up each do enough different things that there's enough unpredictability there that the game is different every mm. time you play. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, there's, a, there's a new... Um, uh, there's a reiteration of Robinson Crusoe. What's the full title for Robinson Crusoe? Robinson Crusoe, something cursed island. Oh, I can't Stranded remember. on a cursed island. Something like that. Oh, yeah. We'll have to ask Ignacy if we see him. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to comment on a full title, I'll just look it on BGG. That's yeah, right. we'll look it up there. Don't worry about it. Or on the box cover. Um, so there's another uh, game coming out by Ignacy Trevorcheck using the same system, but with a different theme. It's a Mars theme. Oh, okay. And that's uh, that is called um, First Martian, a story. Was it called First Martians, a story of Mars or something like that? It's the is, Mars is, one. Is it about terraforming? Um, it's a, it's about being on Mars. That's all I know about it, really. And you kind of go. Is there hexes in a similar sort of? Is it using a similar sort of thing to Robinson Crusoe? I imagine it's trying to survive on Mars yeah. with the ridiculous conditions on there. Yeah, I think he uses hexes. It's kind of like Robinson Crusoe, but on Mars. So it will, it will be really good then. Yeah, but the, the good thing about it, it's got an app. So, um, oh, that's cool. And Ignacy has uh, promised that it's going to be constantly updated. So, um, you know those adventure cards you get in Robinson Crusoe that gives you like some oh, flavour yeah, text, yeah. like something happens in a storm, or and then it gets shuffled back into the deck. And it may come back. Your shelter gets ruined, yeah. or yeah. Um, well, that can that happens with the app apparently, um, and it can be updated. So there's always new content it's feeding out. It's good to know out. that there's going to be support because a lot of these things, I think some of the reason people uh, avoid using things with new technology is that they think, well, after a certain point, it's not going to be supported and only people who buy the new version are going to get things. Well, I think with, with apps, what, what, what people are concerned with is when... Uh, when platforms are updated, when operating systems are updated, then the app no longer works, and uh, by which time the company isn't rolling out any patches for it. Uh, but I don't think that's ever going to happen because we we live in a an age where emulations are always a, a possibility, you know, always yeah. an option. So yeah. I don't think we're ever going to run into that problem. Um, so um, yeah, I, you, when you've got it printed on a card, obviously you can't change it. You need to get an expansion or this an update will be more pack. Adaptable. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's that's a good thing. Keeping mm. these cards on an app, or maybe they've got a mixture of the two. They've got cards on an app. Do you think those. he planned it before the other Mars games? Terraforming Mars. Mm. There's another one, isn't there? There's Terraforming Mars. There's um, First Martians: A Story of Civilization. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking of, as well as Terraforming. Yeah. There's a couple of Mars games that both came out about the same time. I think yeah. it's because everyone's talking about Mars, yeah. and then the film The Martian. Well, they were all kind of announced at the same time, around the same time as The Martian was coming out in the cinemas mm. and things like that. I remember, you know, like, uh, everyone, like, you know, try watching it on, on a hot list on BGG and things like that, and... Uh, that kind of thing, but I, I'm def definitely one to look out for uh, the yeah, Ignacy Trevacek Mars game. I can't remember the name of it, but uh, I'm sure someone's going to look it up on BGG. Um, so it gets me on to the next topic. Uh, another co-op game we played uh, yesterday uh, was Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective by uh, Isari Games. Isari Games. 
So uh, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective is a game, I believe it was originally released in 1981, mm. and it's reissued by Starry. Um, and uh, it's one that we've thoroughly enjoyed. We're on case seven now, aren't yeah. we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we're quite a bit of the way through. I think there's ten in the box, isn't it? Ten in the box. I think they've released a new one with four more in the core box. Four? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's in the core cool box ones, now. So yeah. there's 14 in the core cool box now. Yeah, I think so. Didn't they do another thing with ten additional cases as well? So they've also released um, uh, a additional expansion i think it's the thames mysteries or something like that okay. and it's a and it's a separate box that you get with uh no isn't it jack the ripper ones it's got jack, jack the ripper as well yeah, thames yeah, and jack yeah. the ripper i think or, or it might be that uh, jack the ripper are the additional cases in the core box one I of the can't two remember. but anyway it, there's more stuff coming out so we've been waiting for that for a long time because we, we really like it uh, a lot of people say about uh, sherlock holmes consulting detective uh, is that it's uh only really suited to solo play or for two players, and it's like the perfect couples game. So we started just playing it as a couple. Yeah, yeah. But then we tried it out with um, my brothers and you know their fiancés um, and uh, girlfriends, and uh, but it, it, we kind of made an evening of it. So we'd like invite everyone round. So we'd have a few six drinks. Six of us, seven of us. If and then we'd as yeah, well. we'd have a few like something to eat and then we crack open Sherlock Holmes and we'd really get into the, the theme of it you know like pouring you through newspapers stalker on. yeah exactly so um, for those who aren't familiar with Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective it's a story driven game where you have different cases to crack so you'll have like a it'll open up with an introduction and you'll be in Holmes's study you uh, the team that you're on uh, you're part of the Baker Street Irregulars so you're work, you're working you're working against Holmes to try and beat him to the punch, you know, try and solve the case before Holmes. Yeah, you're trying to give him some more information, usually because he says, usually in the preamble, that he's too busy on another case if you wanted to just spend a bit of time looking yeah. into it. Yeah, so you don't small... play as him, he, he's sort of the master and you're just his little friends that help him a little bit. Hmm. So um, you read the little... Um, it's kind of like a page of text, the story at the beginning. Uh, and then you just go straight into it. So you have to try and develop leads. And the way you get leads is you'll uh, try and pour over the story and find little details in it, little threads that you can pull on. Um, and you'll where, where bodies were yeah. and if they know about murder weapons and any suspects that are thrown up by Scotland Yard. And so you have a map of London and you have numbers on it where all the locations are. So um, if you want to go to a lead, say uh, there's a character in there that you want to speak to and interview, you'll look through the directory, you'll find the number in there, and that will relate to where it is on the map. So you open up the book, the case book, and each of the 10 cases has an individual case book, and you'll have a look to see if this lead is in there. So um, if this number is actually has in a par has book, a paragraph yeah, yeah. Or, or has a... Uh, you know, a, a page sometimes of a uh, story. of uh, It's information, basically. If there's information for that point in the case book. Yeah, and so um, so we always find there's a point in this game where there's always a red herring. There's always, oh, yeah. There's yeah. always... Uh, it's not always the most obvious thing you'd think. Yeah, there are several different kind of threads that they give you in the story. And um, it's sometimes it's very hard to know which is the real... Because you get penalised for following far too many leads and so many more than Holmes and the things that Holmes did. And you're trying to sort of... He's 100%. You're trying to get as close to that as you can. You can get more than 100%. Uh, yeah, you can get more than 100%. But... Uh, it's not 100%. Game, 100 points, 100 not 100%. Points, yeah. Um, but... With the game the way it is, particularly the first time you play, you're congratulated if you even get minus points. <laughs> because every lead that you follow that is wasted, it's what they call a, a wasted lead, you get deducted points for. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I really like um, how uh, you, you've got different components in the game. You have newspapers. So... The first, the, case, are the first case that you have, the newspaper 
is the date that the case is that you know the, the you're given a case and it's a certain date and you've got a newspaper to go with it so you can look in the newspaper it's got some really great little touches like um mr um, dada's magical elixir or something yeah, like that yeah. or uh, it'll have little superfluous or apparently superfluous entries in there uh, and it's just sometimes it's good to just look at the newspaper. I think the adverts are cool as well, and the yeah. we noticed last night, didn't we? That one of the papers had got an advert from Cycles, uh, based on on the fine, the best, uh, you know, push cycles. Basically. Penny farthing type of. No, no, um, just just bicycles. Just right, yeah. um, and it said based in Wolverhampton on Darlington Street, and we thought <laughs> that was amazing. Because that's where our board game uh, night is based on Darlington Street. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, what are the Bites chances Cafe. of that? Yeah, Wild Bites Cafe. And it's like, we're reading this uh, Sherlock Holmes case. it mentions Wolverhampton, yeah, Darlington Street. Street. Yeah, that's cool. Cool coincidence. Um, so, yeah, there are some nice, real nice touches in it. Um, I mean, again, like all co-ops, it's prone to, you know, alpha player. But, I mean, if you're playing with a good group, then that doesn't happen, you know, and you have a good time. So, if you're on the fence about playing this with a large group, my advice is uh, get people together, uh, get a few drinks, you know, put on some atmospheric music and have a really good evening. Make sure you've got somebody with a notepad. It. Yeah, notepad. Someone with a notepad is, is uh, very advisable. And make a, de a different page with the leads that you visited because then you'll lose yeah. track of the leads. Yeah. And uh, scoring is going to be a nightmare otherwise. So it's a separate page for the leads. But yeah, Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, we really like it, don't we? Yeah. It's a cool game. Now, it's interesting how we heard about that, didn't we? Just through, we, we were looking at other game reviews and then we saw Shut Up and Sit Down's review for it. Do you remember? I knew it before. You knew about that. it I was before gonna, then? Well, here's the thing. I was going to get that game ages before the Shut Up and Sit Down review. Yeah, yeah. Now, here's what happened. The game was going on Amazon one Christmas for... Like something ridiculous, like thirteen pounds or something. Mm -hmm. So I was going to pull the trigger on it. So I didn't in the end. I so nearly did, and then the ship and sit re down review hit, and it completely sold out everywhere. Everywhere sold out, and there was copies going for over a hundred pounds yeah, of the game. Yeah, we was just out of our. And I was like, head in hands. Oh no! And we so wanted to play the game. But it made us made you want to well, play it more. Here's the thing. I actually. Um, contacted the story games and i said oh, yeah. and i and i and i told them i uh, directed them to the shut up and sit down review and i said look at, look at this review <laughs> look how many people bought your game because of this excellent yeah. review <laughs> and i said you know like are you planning to reprint it so eventually they said yeah we we are planning to reprint it uh and it's going to be you know next year so eventually we got a hand on a copy and yeah. uh, but this is before the reissue so now they've reissued it, you know, in the nice glitzy copy. Got it's rid of a couple of the errata in the cases. The, 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 the misprints. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's another thing I wanted to come across, uh, uh, touch upon. Another subject is uh, rule book uh, errors. Now, oh, the, yeah. both of the games that we've played uh, over the last couple of days, the Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective game and uh, Escape BC. Escape from BC. <laughs> um they both contained, contained a number of errors that I, I don't think should have been there. You know, they were, I mean, errors that were... I think with Sherlock Holmes, the, 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 the errors were fairly minor. It just, it was mostly a numbering thing. Well, I think there's a lot, quite a few errors in the... Across the whole thing, across the whole thing there are, I mean, specific to the case that we just played. Well, there's actually one case that we haven't played, we bypassed it because... Because we, of the errors yeah. being so We heard bad, that yeah. case three, it broke the case because of so many errors. Now, that's a real problem. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a real something. issue. So I'm glad they apparently fixed that, haven't hopefully, they, for the replay? Hopefully, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, misprints are a real problem. I think the misprint was due to translation from French, from the French language, and that's uh, why the misprints occurred. In the original uh, Sherlock Holmes game, apparently there weren't nearly as many misprints, but it was because, because of the of translation. translation. Exactly. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. So, um, but I'm so glad that the expansions are out now. We've been waiting so long. And before they came out, they were like silly money on eBay. Mm. You know? uh, so... Um, Another the other re rule book issues that we had uh, it wasn't misprints but it was in uh, Escape uh, BC 
um, there was this thing about um, movement, and there's some movement examples in the rule book of how dinosaurs and time castaways... The people who come through the rifts. ...move uh, during the, their movement phase. So there, it wasn't properly explained in the rules how many spaces they move. Now, in the example, so we were, we were it showed them playing, uh, sh uh, moving in a straight line right across the board. Like, yeah, you know, So a number of spaces. Now, when I looked on BGG and asked the designer about it, Kevin Wilson, um, he replied saying that you only move them one space each. Now, that would have made it a lot oh, easier. Oh, that would have been so much better. Yeah, so we hope, hopefully, next game... It was one of the things that made it ridiculous in that you were trying to hunt these people, these people who come through the rifts down to return them to their rift, but they were so far away, and you've got quite limited movement, that your movement was stopping far before you got them to them, yeah. and then they were moving again. But if it was only one space, it's, it's it, yes, that's much, much better. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, the layout of that rule book is not the nicest either. It doesn't make... Um, some of the things aren't logically together where you would think they are. So you end up looking things up and looking through things on the book. Like... Um, uh, the, the combat the example. The combat example for... Passive. The, herbivorous dinosaurs and the, when they're passive which nearly all of the herbivorous ones are uh, it, it, it's not where the combat thing is even though them being passive is part of the combat thing you would think well it's, it's actually elsewhere in the book it's actually in the traits right at the back of the book which, and we were looking everywhere yeah. for it because it says okay about uh, passive combat and they were talking about passive and active but he didn't explain in the combat section what that was. And, it, and all it needed was a little um, parenthesis C saying... See traits. Yeah, see traits section on page. And that would have solved yeah. it. But, you know, little things, little things. Maybe it'll be in second so edition. There's a couple of things like that within yeah. that book. I mean, it's not... All the information you need is there. It's just sometimes it could do with being organised a little bit better or having reminders that actually this is in this section. Mm. And I think that that game is something that could do with quick reference cards for players as well. Yeah. I think that would really help. as well would help. Um, mm. Okay, so um, moving on, I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, new co-ops on the, on the horizon. Uh, so um, the UKG is coming up, which I'm really Tears, super excited two about. Time. Uh, last time... I bumped into uh, Eric Lang, who's uh, one of my uh, board game designer heroes, and he was a very cool guy. Very, he was, he was Very cool. down-to-earth cool guy, wasn't he? Yeah. We, you saw Tom, saw Tom Vassell, well. another, another uh, you know, uh, person who inspires me. very nice, very friendly, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Tom was, Tom was super kind, wasn't he? Mm. And uh, it's smaller than I thought. No, not really. He's quite tall, isn't he? He is tall, it's about, yeah. What, six four, six five, something? I don't like. know. <laughs> He's probably posted that somewhere. I don't know how tall he is, but he is tall, yeah. But yeah, UKG, I'm so excited about that. So we're talking about what games um, we're looking forward to. So uh, the co op game I'm most looking forward to, and probably it's not going to be released then. But who knows? It's they might have a demo copy. Yeah, well, hopefully. Um, it's a game called uh, Wasteland Express Delivery Service. Oh. WEDS. <laughs> that, that's a, the acronym for that's that. That's a silly acronym. WEDS. That's just, no, weds. that's stupid. Huh? You fancy playing a bit of WEDS? No, no. no. Might get the wrong impression. No. I don't so, like that acronym, it's silly. So the um, the designer, John Gilmore, of this game... Uh, what's, what's he done? He did Dead of Winter. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's kind of a semi-co-op... <laughs> a semi-co-op game. It's a co-op so game with a traitor mechanic. Yeah. Well, no, traitor mechanics are okay, but when you've got... When everyone is working towards a common goal, and then you have... Different individual players goals having well. different yeah. individual goals, and if you don't meet the individual goals, then you lose, even though you've won as a team. It it doesn't really work. I mean, I, I like Dead I of Winter. I would prefer it personally yeah. if it, if you didn't reach your individual goal towards the end, you you got docked something, or you had to pay more, or you had to do something else rather than you lose the game. Hmm. Because every time that I've won Dead of Winter, we've lost because somebody you know didn't meet their goal. Hmm. Another one like that was Runebound, wasn't it? Runebound 3rd Edition? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think it would have been so much better as a co-op game. 
the fact that you're all kind of gearing up to go to, to go and fight the dragon, right? So you win the game when you fought the dragon, but there's only one winner, and that's the person who beats the dragon. So you're all against each other, really. Yeah, because you're not... all trying um, to make sure that you finish off the dragon and dragon and not someone else. Yeah, and get all the glory. And it doesn't uh... really work as a competitive game. I think that it would doesn't, be much better be fair, as a co-op. That doesn't. Yeah. I think with Dead of Winter, I kind of understand it more because it's the survival aspect and post-apocalyptic almost, and you've got the zombie side of it and everything else. That you know, you might be a diabetic and you, therefore you need this medication mm. or whatever else your personal goal is. I understand why there is a personal goal thematically. It works it makes like sense. hoarding like medicine or, yeah. or doing different because, like, there's lots of quirky characters. But if you don't these. quite, if you don't actually meet that objective, but you partially meet it, then you should be able to, you know, there should be some sort of mitigating thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I you get punished, but not by losing the game. Yeah, and I, just for the record, I love zombie games, yeah, I love the zombie genre. I'm a, not because of The Walking Dead, not really. I've only seen season one. Uh, but I'm a big George Romero fan. You know, the original uh, Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, absolutely masterful films. Shaun of the my... Dead, I'm joking. Shaun of the Dead's pretty well, Dead's wicked, but it's, but it's uh, not a Romero. It's an homage to Romero, silly. so... Um, wouldn't it be brilliant to have a Dawn of the Dead film? Uh, Dawn of the Dead game? That would be so good. Have they it not needs to be, made No, one? it needs to be made into an IP. Seriously. Mm. Yeah. Zombie anyway, Side doesn't cut it. <laughs> what, what were you talking about? This, what's this new game? Okay, so it's out? Wasteland Express Delivery Service. Now, I want to just show you the artwork to this just to get your impression. Okay. So you haven't seen it before. No, no. Okay. So this is the artwork for the new game. Check this out. Oh, wow. It's even more Mad Max than the title led me to believe. I thought, wow, so Wasteland at, Express. You, you get in your head the visuals of Mad Max. Yeah. And the vehicles on it and everything are very sort of Mad Max. Or It looks uh, a bit like uh, aspects of the, the cover of Borderlands. Yeah, 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 it does. It's kind of a little Borderlands-esque. It's very Mad Max, though, isn't yeah, it? That's yeah, yeah, that's my for. first impression got, is Mad Max. You've got a big juggernaut lorry with a, a neon sign saying Big John on it, and you've got, like, uh, uh, some dudes wearing a skull, some dudes yeah, with yeah. Uh, colourful mohawks, because they've always flags. got mohawks, haven't they? Mohawks of mohawks. the dystopian future, yeah. Yeah, yeah, post-apocalyptic mohawks. There's bullets spraying everywhere, yeah. yeah, definitely. Oh, World War Two playing, that's interesting. It and you've got... Um, some trucks with all like cross circling crossbones and uh, grills on them. All and you everything. need is a man nice. strapped to the front playing Ooh, a crazy guitar. Look at those, look at those minis. You got actual oh. actual trucks, miniatures, and look at the board. Yeah, the board looks really good. Ooh, I love a good board. I'm a big fan of boards. Well, because you big spend most of, of the game looking at it, mm. it might as well be pretty. I just think the board is a kind of um, a center a center point where. Uh, everyone gets sucked into the game collectively. So this 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 uh, character art for Zed, it says Weds above it. So someone Weds, else is using go. that acronym. <laughs> Weds, Weds Zed, and uh, then some. Uh, then uh, someone's. Oh, that's signature. cool! Uh, look at look at the the. the Ooh, <laughs> you got some. Uh, you got some scenery, some three D scenery. We've got that's some three cool. D barrel they look miniatures for painting as well. Yeah. They look really cool. Like you could quite easily make them look. Like yeah, it's really old pop on the board. barrels yeah, cool. and stuff. That's cool. I, back, I did. Back, I backed a game, didn't I? That had 3D scene. Because I remember Hero Quest was like the big, the, the first mm, game that had all this all the really nice and 3D and scenery, bookshelves. And they stopped doing it in Dungeon Calls. W- w- wizard desk. Yeah, I think. Uh, Please yeah. place in this room. Wizard Actually, desk Conan, number one. Conan did it with a Kickstarter true, as well, true. with all the 3D scenery. But I don't think it, much 3D scenery, if any, comes in the base game. 3D pile of skulls. That's nice, 3D scene, I like it. You've yeah. got some ammo crates, oil barrels, some crates, yeah, great nice. stuff. And I love the artwork, nice character design, love the theme. On they a big really look pocket. like they've scavenged bits to make their outfits, it's yeah, cool. Yeah, like little scraps and pieces and skulls and... Uh, Soft dude. toys. <laughs> Soft toys hanging from... Well, that's a voodoo doll, I don't think. It's, <laughs> It is a voodoo doll, yeah. but it is in the form very, of a soft toy. It'd be ve- well, that's, aren't voodoo dolls soft toys anyway? 
I don't know. They can be made of all sorts of things. But look at his little uh, Renaissance-style wig it's as well. Little, Definitely goes with that. He's got a little walking stick with spikes on. That's a nice touch. <laughs> Lovely. Amazing. Yeah. But anyway, that's um, Wasteland Express. And I've heard well, good apparently things... Apparently, Weds. Weds, yeah. I've heard good things about it, though. I mean, um, there's a, a little uh, quote from Shut Up and Sit Down about it, saying they oh, nice. enjoyed it. And Snakes and Lattes guys seem to enjoy oh, yeah. it. I think they've got an advanced copy. Cool. At Snakes and Lattes, nice. which is a big, uh, it's in Canada, isn't it? Snakes and Lattes. Yes, I think it is. It's a big Canadian uh, board game cafe, which I'd love to visit one day. One day. Yeah. When we go to Canada. When one we day. go to Canada. One day. So that just about wraps up another episode of Board Game Nexus podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show, and stay tuned for more to come. <laughs>